First of all, guys, I want to say welcome back to our road stories. If you guys have watched the pre listened to the previous one, I should say, I want to thank you guys for doing that. Uh, it was a lot of fun for me and Bounce to do. We had we really enjoyed ourselves doing it, and uh, I'm happy to be back with another one. Yeah, we actually got a lot of really good feedback from that, which was cool because, I mean, for us, it was just bullshit like we normally do, talking about old stories and having a good time, and um, we decided to do another one. So episode three, which is right now, will be Road Stories 2. Yeah. And if you guys haven't listened to the one Bounce did with Kip, I, I highly enjoyed that one as well, too. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. All right, so we're going to kick off more funny stories. You started us off last time. I think you should start us off again. Okay. What do you got, okay. man? So, um, let's see, so, alright, so let me take you a little back. Alright. Alright, so we had a show, and it was an iconic show. Uh-oh. This show was the Battle of the Flies. Oh, no. Yeah, I know where you're going with this one. So, we had, what a lot of you guys might, mem- uh, might know of is we had an iconic WWE legend, and Jimmy the Superfly Snooker. Yes. Uh, versus one of our indie guys called the Spanish Fly. Who thinks he is an iconic legend also in the Cleveland area. <laughs> He's not, but he thinks he is. So, once again, you had the Super Fly versus the Spanish Fly. Yeah. And um, this show was basically booked around that match right there. It sure was. So, um, I was pumped because, you know, I get the I get to meet Jimmy Superfly Snooker. I mean, you know, as, as a young kid, you know, watching wrestling growing up, you know, I, I love Jimmy Superfly Snooker. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was great. See, I was a fan of him too, and, and not to cut off your story, but you know, it was funny for me because I met him years back when I was just a fan, you know, at, at the Beakley Center. And he was one of the rudest people I'd ever encountered. Oh man, really? Like, he was telling people, you know, don't touch me, brother, and all this <laughs> stuff. Like, he was so mean, right? So we'll fast forward to so many odd years later. What he was saying, don't touch me, was it guys with like booger hands or? No, I was just like, <laughs> just a group of like kids, man. We just wanted to, you know, see him get autographs, take pictures. Don't, don't touch me, brother. You know, and he was super mean, right? I mean, because realistically, look, I'm a nice guy. I consider myself to be a nice guy. But just sometimes when people go to touch me, I'm like, ooh. Well, right. If, if you just like sneezed in your hand and you're going to shake my hand, yeah, I'm not going to touch you either. And but... I mean, I still, I still accept the handshake or accept the right, touch. Right. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm like, dude, I I need to go home and shower immediately. Right. So we'll fast forward to, you know, obviously years later, uh, and my first show that I did in 96 with uh, Preston Still, IWA, who was on the show? Jimmy Snook. So I'm thinking, now I get to share a locker room with this guy, and I'm nervous because I remember the way he was when I was a kid. You walk in the locker room, complete, total different person, shakes your hand, how you doing, brother? Nice to meet you. Hey, brother. And, and he's like super cool, so you, you get that whole fan level and worker level. You know, and it's a complete difference, which you're going to go into with this story, too. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, to, no, you're good. I had to tell that part. So um, I'm pumped, man. I get to meet Jimmy Superfly Snooker. I mean, a lot of you got, a lot of you old-timer fans out there, you're going to know um, basically Jimmy is a Superfly Snooker from jumping off the still cage, one of the first guys to yeah. perform such a feat like that. At that time, it, I mean, you didn't have the matches you have today where you, you're diving off buildings, you're smashing through light tubes, and, you know, you're falling off the hell in the cells. No, he led the way to all that. That was pretty much hardcore before hardcore was Absolutely. hardcore. Absolutely. Know? And, I mean, um, I was pumped. I mean, as a kid, <coughs> you know, you, you hear Jimmy Superfly's music, and it, you, you ever hear music, and you, you, you think you know what the words are, but they ain't the words. Yes, absolutely. 
So I have even made up my own lyrics to songs exactly. before because you have to. So his theme song would hit and I would go shoot a shoot a shoot a wah. And I know that's not the words, but that's what I heard as a kid. But long, uh, let, let's get to this. So we go out there, we meet Jimmy Superfly Snooker, right? And I'm pumped, man. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. I meet the guy, and he he was a class act, man. One of the nicest guys in the business that I ever met. And I'm, I will say, God rest his soul. He, you know, and you know, there's that unknown thing that he may or may not have have done, but. Jimmy Superfly was the nicest, one of the nicest guys I ever met. And after his match, you know, I'm leaving the building. Me and you were getting out of there. And, you know, we're doing our thing. We're saying bye to everybody. Like you, honestly, like you should. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know Jimmy's got a plane to catch and stuff like that. So I walk up to him. I say, hey, Jimmy, man, it was really nice to meet you, man. I hope you have a safe plane trip home. And he said, oh, thank you, brother. Thank you so much, brother. And if you guys can imagine this, he goes down to one knee. Yep. And he does the Hawaiian "I love you" yes. uh, gestures with his with his hands. Sure did. One in the air, one one to the side, and he's posing for me. Yes. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, "All right, Jimmy." I start to walk away, and you ever do the iconic look back? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've I've got about 10, 15, 20 steps away. <laughs> I do the iconic look back. And he's still there, that post. <laughs> he's still stuck, right? He's still stuck oh, there. Man. Well, that's Jimmy Superfly Stucker, man. That's the that's the same show that you know. Again, we both went in. He was sitting at the bar at the time. At the part of the the show was like half of uh, God, I don't know. It was like a hall, and there's a bar like on the other side. So that's where we went to go, you know, say goodbye to him. And at that, <laughs> do you remember Spanish Fly was pissed at him because he chopped him during the match? Yes, he was pissed. Oh, because he chopped him too hard, according maybe, to him. He maybe knocked some of that grease out there. He had the grease man. in his hair. He, he reminds me of, uh, remember the movie Ghost? Yes. Remember Willie from Prospect Street? Oh my God, yeah. That's what, that's what Spanish Fly reminds me of. Like, seriously. All, all in just, that, that's exactly who that is. But long story short, Jimmy's sitting at the bar. A little bit of Elder Barge too, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Great. So now I got the combination of Jimmy Snooker's music in my head and then now Rhythm of the Night. <laughs> so we just combine those two and we got a hell of a song, man. Um, so we go into the bar, we go to say bye to Jimmy Snooker, and there's Spanish Fly who's pitching a bitch because he got chopped too hard. Um, you know, no one pays attention to him because honestly, nobody gives a shit. Uh, he's just that kind of a person. He just brought me the wrong way, no matter what it is. Um, so, you know, again, we're saying our goodbyes, and that's the same show that Jimmy Snooker not only hugged me but then kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> so, I mean, that's something you'll take with you for the rest of your life. That you did know, you, did hey, you ever wash that cheek? Or did you leave I, there? I, I did wash the cheek. I did, <laughs> I did wash the cheek, man. Um, but no, like you said, though, one of the coolest dudes. But my first encounter with him was like, wow, this guy's not friendly at all. You, you never know? know. Booger hands, man. It might have been. It could have been, man. You never know. Uh, <laughs> but no, man, we've uh, <clears throat> we've encountered some fun stuff, seen some uh, crazy shit, a lot of fun stories that come with him. Uh, if we're talking, um, if we're going down the route of former WWE, I, I can't really say legend when I talk about this person, but we'll just say former WWE superstars, uh, my encounter with Virgil. Oh, God. So, prior to uh, the story that I'm about to tell, I had been around Virgil before with uh, Preston and IWA. Real quick, guys. Virgil could also be known as Vincent. Yes. In WWE, he was Virgil. In WCW, he was known as Vincent. Yes, he was. Um, he Member was. Member of the NWO. 
He was uh, basically the Million Dollar Man's cohort. Yep. His uh, his little bodyguard or whatever, lackey or whatever you want to call it. Basically the same thing for the NWO. Yeah, for the NWO. He was <laughs> like basically the w, uh, NWO lackey. Right. But God, I, I'm sorry. I digress. No, no, no. So, long story short, I had prior, you know, interaction with him before, but... Uh, I went and worked for Cleveland All-Pro one day, and uh, JT approached me before the show, and he said, hey, would you mind working Virgil? And I was like, you know, all right. As a, as a worker, you get asked to work a name. You take pride in that because absolutely. that person trusts you to do so. I you know? So I was like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Anything you need. He goes, do you mind working heel? I said, absolutely not. That's, you know, whatever you need. So uh, it turns into a tag match. It's me and Iron Man. Iron Man was a long time Cleveland standout, you know, with Cleveland All Pro and a couple other promotions in the area. So not not Tony Stark or nothing like that. No, right? no, no, no. This Iron Man had a mullet. Oh, yeah, and, and a beard. No suit but, though. Right? No, no. Well, he had he had he had, he had a singlet, but no suit. Um, close enough. <laughs> and uh, we were uh, that night. We were working. Um, or no, I'm sorry. It was Iron Man and Virgil against myself and Lord Zoltan, and we had uh, Traxler as our manager that night. So, long story short. Uh, we're sitting in the back and Virgil's at the gimmick table and if you know Virgil and you know stories about Virgil Virgil likes to spend a lot of time at the gimmick table whether it be flea markets parking lots uh, the local convenience store wherever he can go and set up he's going to go set up so it shouldn't be any surprise to you that he sat at the gimmick table the entire show so Iron Man at this point is now pacing back and forth and he's like asking me what are we going to do hey he goes up to Zoltan hey what are we going to do and Zoltan's laughing because he knows damn well what Virgil's doing. Like, he, he knows Virgil. He brought him to the show with him. <laughs> so he knows what's going on, you know? So, literally, Hank goes out to start the you know the second half of the show, and our match is up. Virgil walks through the curtain. Iron Man's, again, freaking out now because nothing has been talked about. Nothing's been nothing's been said. Nothing. So, I mean, Lord Zoltan ain't saying shit. Traxler ain't saying shit. I decided, let me be the one. Walk up and I said, "Here's what we had, uh, you know, discussed." And he goes, "No, no, no, man, no, 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 man, no, 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 man, no, no, man." Virgil sell hard. And at that point, I was like, "I don't really know what the fuck that means." But again, this is what we decided. No, man, no, 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 man, no. We gonna go out there and just go around, man. We just gonna have fun, man. We just gonna go out there and fuck around, man. We just gonna go out there and do it, man. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, man. So we go, we do the match. It wasn't good by any means. I, I don't know how I was even invited back to Cleveland Opera after that. Um, it wasn't good. Um, I know that in that match, thankfully, I'd already had a child prior to that show because in that show, Virgil hit Memo Balls four times. Four times? Yes. Um, and every time it was, hey, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, hey, hey, man. Watch your balls. And Watch he would, bam, he would drop down with something. I'm like, wow. Was the referee looking? Uh, I think two of the four times, yes. And that should have been a disqualification. That's bullshit. And he just didn't give a shit at that point. Fucking Virgil. So, long story short, we do the match. Uh, at the end of the match, I'm outside the ring, and I'm, I'm like, selling or whatever. And he, he grabs my towel that I bring out to the ring with me, and he starts fucking, like, snapping me with it. Now, I sold the shit twice because the fans were into it, right? After the fourth time, I was like, all right, this shit ain't funny no more. I'm not selling it. That was probably like legit too. And it was because Jeff's behind me on the floor and he's fucking laughing because he's shaking behind me. So we go back to the locker room and uh, Virgil was sitting back there and he goes, hey man, I, I told you he was going to have a good time, right? And I just kept walking. Like, I didn't want to talk to the dude. Like, I was like, man. Look, it's not me to tell you, bitch. Right? Like, I don't even want to talk to you right now, man. Um, but it was funny because Jeff told the story that he, and he doesn't know why he did it. <laughs> In wrestling, you, you'll go up to a, um, 
a name star or whatever, and if they watched your match or were in your match, you want to get their feedback. You know? Absolutely, yeah. How did been... I do? What can, what can I do better? What did I do wrong? Do you have any suggestions for me? You know, anything. And Jeff went up and, and he asked Virgil, he said, you know, just wanted to uh, ask, you know, did I do okay on the spot that I had? And he looked at Jeff and he said this. Well, you know, big man, you just got to be uh, where you got to be when you need to be there. <laughs> That's good advice, man. And... <laughs> Jeff just said he went okay thank you and he walked away what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like I mean I get it but at the same time what kind of advice is that though seriously I mean I guess you technically can't do a good job if you're not where you need to be when you need to be there when you well, gotta be there I mean, and again I, I get that part <laughs> could you maybe word it differently though like you know hey no man you, you, you were right where you needed to be when you were supposed to be no <laughs> no that wasn't what he said <laughs> but no, man, uh, I did that for JT because I respected the hell out of him. And all in all, it's one of those things that, again, we can sit here and tell it and, and talk about it and laugh about it now. Right. Because it was that kind of a story and that kind of a match for me. If you don't mind me asking. No, go ahead. Where you needed to be, where you wanted to be when you needed to be there. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I was. I think I was exactly where I needed to be, when I was supposed to be, when I had to be there. But unfortunately... It was Iron Man and Virgil who threw who threw a phantom clothesline, and I still took a bump because I had no clue what the fuck was going on. Hey, watch your balls. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that is the that might be Road Stories, aka Watch Your Balls. That might watch be the, the title of today's show. <laughs> Just saying. So, um, actually, we can partner up with this story because this is a story that we definitely were involved with together, and we definitely enjoyed ourselves. There's basically photography proof that we oh, enjoyed ourselves. Oh, man, I know right where you're talking to. Yep. So uh, we had the show, and it involves a very dear friend of ours. Yes. Now, um, can I give a small background on this? Because I know right where you're going. Yes, absolutely. All right, so this, we talked about him in, in the first World Stories. We're talking about Gmo, And, and yes. you guys heard a little bit about him, but let's give you a little peek into how he kind of does things. So Gmo is famous for running parking lot shows. Yes. Whether it be Kmart, um, Burger King, and, and and you know what the name, the list goes on because I hey, you know what there's there's a bizarre mystery with the parking lot show. I mean, yeah, sometimes you know what they're actually pretty damn successful. Yeah, and sometimes they're not at all. No, so this one was interesting because okay, so let, let me just paint this picture for you. So you have a building that's right across the street where for some reason we couldn't use it to have the show in, but we were allowed in there to change as a locker room. Right. So then you had to basically play human frogger to get across the street and not get hit by a car to then walk to the parking lot across the street to where everyone can see you coming down the steps of this building because it's up high. And then you had to walk across the street and can still see you. So there's no element of surprise of who's coming out or whatever. Then you duck behind a little U-Haul truck to a curtain that's taped to this thing blown in the wind where you could still see right We're through We're WrestleMania right? where they had that long-ass entrance, that ramp that they yes. had to run down because yes. it took so long. That's what it felt like. That was man. our kind of WrestleMania entrance, right? I'd rather have the little golf cart, though. Like the, those, those were that awesome. Was little little ring carts, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what we had to go through at this show. And I just wanted to paint that picture, but please, by all means, yes, tell the story. So we're at the show in the parking lot, and we've got... We like to call it pay-per-view guys that are hanging off of trees and fans oh, that you know they ain't paid to be in the show, but they, mm -mm. they're they hanging off of trees. I'm going to elaborate on that story. Yeah. 
it, it was it was quite the spectacle, as it I was. must say. Yes. Um, so we're we're in a tag team, uh, basically match, and it was if I remember right, it was was it three teams? Yeah, it was us against Bill Rose and. Uh, I don't remember who his partner was. Uh, and a random tag team of Zach Wright and random guy in a mask. Right. Yep. Now, Bill Rose, very close friend of ours. Um, phenomenal mustache, man. Yes. Like, absolutely. That man. mustache, if you ever looked at um, one of those, like, uh, cheap disguises that you get from, like, a, <laughs> yeah. a dollar store. Right. And it's, like, the glasses with the big old bushy mustache. Yes. yes. Like, it's that mustache, but the real thing. That's right. And, I mean, he takes care of that thing. That thing is phenomenal. I mean, he gets Magnum P.I. run for his money, man. Bill Rose, your mustache, man. Shit is great. It is. You got, definitely got dibs on that mustache. But. Aha, dibs. So, we're in this tag team match, and I must say, shenanigans are, are, are coming to fray. Like, oh. there's certain things that just, I don't know, it kind of made you kind of smirk a little bit. Um, Moves the kind of was looking like a little stiff, and you know noises were happening throughout oh, yeah. the match, and then um, all of a sudden, Bill Rose unfortunately gets a chop. Yes. And now, if we can kind of explain kind of what a chop is, if if you guys can think about like you know Ric Flair, very famous for throwing the chops, doing yes. the struts, you know slapping you in the chest, right, and doing the whole woo type of deal. Exactly. Well. Um, Bill Rose receives a chop, but uh, unfortunately, I think the aim of this chop might have been slightly a little bit off. Oh, it was definitely off, for sure. <laughs> because I don't think it hit him in the chest. No, <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, I think he spoke out exactly where the targeted impact was when he screamed, oh, you chopped me in the throat? <laughs> At that point, me and Kurt laughed so fucking hard for at least a good solid five minutes. And it's hard, man. Like the, I used to be that guy you couldn't crack in the ring. Right, right. But man, that was one of the funniest things. And the animation of his face and his body, the way he it was just, it. it was just the build up to it. Yeah. Like so much small little funny things were happening during the match, <laughs> and then when that happened, it was just the hugest explanation point. And his reaction to it set it off. And yeah. me and Bounce, we just lost it. It was so lost funny, it. And then he would laugh, and then it would make me laugh, and then I was right. laughing, which would make him laugh. Yes. And it just kept snowballing into a huge amount of laughter from us on the side of the rope. And there's so many pictures of it. Oh, it's, it's Wade great. Palmer got so many good ones of that one, man. Uh, and, you know, and I told you I'd elaborate on what you said, too. So, as you said, here we are outside in this parking lot. You got people sitting on the lid of a dumpster. <laughs> you got people sitting on this, like, brick wall. And, dude, there we were. We get in the ring, and next thing you know... I happen to look towards someone's backyard <laughs> over this, you know, brick wall. And what do I see in the trees is like four faces smiling at me, dude. <laughs> it was like straight up like little Kenyans were in the trees smiling <laughs> like a motherfucker. And man. I'll tell you what, man. You know what? Say what you will. You are a wrestling fan if you decide to climb yes. a tree yes. and hang in that tree to watch a match that's across dude, the street. But they were so happy, though. <laughs> like, they had the biggest smiles on their faces like, oh, shit, wrestling. And they were just <laughs> in it, man. Like, I, But to, to be in the ring and look up and see something like that, your first initial in your head is to go, what the fuck? And then you can't do nothing but laugh. Right. And then you run over and tell everybody else you're cool with saying, look at these motherfuckers in the trees. Like, And it was funny as shit, dude. That's something I'll never forget. Right. I, don't, I don't care no, how. No, no. Guys, if you can. Imagine this, if you will. You're a kid. You're excited. You go outside. 
you see that big ash tree and you just get this overwhelming sensation to climb said tree. Yeah. And you know what? You climb that son of a bitch. <laughs> but guess what happens? You come back down and you said, wow, I climbed that tree. These people were in this tree for about three to four hours. Yes. No, they didn't leave the tree, man. And listen, like like you said, you see a tree, you climb it, and, and you never know. Sometimes you may climb a tree, and, and on the other side might be a wrestling show. Who stays up there and says, wow? It was like going up the beanstalk, Jack and the beanstalk, to a magical kingdom of wrestling. And you never want to go back home. I don't think they, they're probably still in the damn tree. Oh, wrestling fans, you gotta love them, man. Oh, I, th- those yeah. were true wrestling fans to climb that tree yes. and stay in that tree for over three hours watching independent wrestling. Crazy, man. Um, you know what? Not really a funny story, but I have to ask you this question because I've, I've heard other people say this, uh, wrestler-wise. Did you ever have the dream that you forgot your gear or your boots? All you know, I have, and it's I, honestly, it's the worst because you wake up and you think, shit. Was that real? Right. <laughs> and it's a freaky thing, man, because I know for me, uh, there was a time when I have zippers on my boots. So there was a, there was twice that this happened to me, but the first time my, my zipper broke and I had to use someone else's boots and I felt like I couldn't work, man. Yeah. I felt like I was James Brown out there, feet just slipping away. I'm like, what is going on right now? And it was like the weirdest thing. You got to have, you're comfortable in your own stuff. Right. I, I don't gear swap. I can't do that stuff. You know, you know? And, and guys, like, I'll tell you like this. I mean, you know, what we do is it's not... You know, it can be a very dangerous thing that we do. Yeah. And sometimes people get very superstitious. You know, they feel like if one thing isn't right, it's a sign that something's yeah. going to go bad. Sure and shot. honestly, guys, like, something does go bad, you could risk serious injury. You could risk your life. You could yeah. risk somebody else's life. So sometimes, like, hey, I forgot such and such item. I forgot, you know, I forgot my boots. This doesn't feel right. This broke today. Yeah. Sometimes it can really throw you off, man. It, it really can. No, that's true. It, it's the weirdest thing. And, and I, like I said, I've heard other people say it, that they've had that dream or, and then it actually happens too. It's like, oh man, I actually did leave my shit and it, it throws you off, man. It really does throw you off. Um, so <laughs> remember back when we were working for OCW and, uh, I had a, like, wow, God, I had, like, the long, longest feud with Prince Juggalo. You remember oh, that? Oh, yeah, Jugs. So, I'm having, I had a match with Prince Juggalo this one show, and this was back when, like, uh, Jesse and, and, and Kevin, not Kip, would, you know, would come to the shows. These are our friends that would come to the shows and stuff, and, and uh, the, one of the funniest things that happened was we had that match on tape somewhere, and uh, Bruce, who was a friend of, like, the family and stuff, he would come to the shows, and his dad was, like, 90 years old. And I remember the first thing that made me laugh on that was, and it was Jesse that brought it up because it was one of the funniest things ever, that they announced Prince Juggalo and his music kicks and he takes a little bit to come out, but through the curtain because you had to walk through the entranceway to get to the bathroom for the fans, comes a 90-year-old man and, <laughs> and everybody in the crowd was just like, who the Holy hell? shit, is that Prince Juggalo? Like, they got nervous, right? But I remember watching that on video and laughing my ass off, but during the match, uh, I'm in the corner and Jugs is giving me the boots. Next thing you know, you know, I'm selling or whatever, and, and next thing you know, Jugs disappears. So I have no idea what the fuck just happened, right? I'm like in the ring going, what, what, what's going on? Did Houdini right on you, huh? Man, he was seriously, he was gone. So I remember you and Ron were out there, and I was like, what the fuck just happened? And you guys were kind of like, didn't know what the hell happened either. The referee comes over and goes, he ripped his pants. And I was like, say what? He was like, he ripped his pants. 
So Jugs just wore, back then, he just wore like a pair of those like, almost like khaki style looking shorts. And I guess while he was giving me the boots, his pants split. And I didn't know until I heard Kevin scream, and his fucking balls were hanging out. So then I, I realized that Jugs had a mishap. And a lot of people saw his balls that night. And I remember, it, it, dude, that was the longest, not a count out, um, that I've ever been involved in in my entire life. He was gone for about a good five minutes. And somehow the referee did not count him out. I didn't know what the fuck to do. So you, would you say his jugs were hanging low? <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, man. Let me tell you. Uh, jugs it was, were a little low, huh? I, for Prince Juggalo. I was so dumbfounded, though, because I had no clue what the hell happened. And he comes back out in a pair of jean shorts and a big-ass smile on his face. And I'm just like, I mean, how do you recover from that? Like, you can't. Your honestly, balls were out, dude. Honestly, Houdini-ing is probably the best recovery for that. <laughs> he should have just, just came back out and like, you know what? I can't even do it. I'm just not going to go back out. Abracadabra, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody saw my balls matches over. I'm good now. I come back at a couple shows. Give me about a, give me, give me about three, four shows off, and maybe they'll forget about that. Um... But that was funny, dude. Like, something that just... You didn't expect it. You know, no, you just didn't all. expect it. So, <laughs> we're sitting at Cleveland All-Pro one time. And, uh, you know, the way that it was set up at Turner's Hall was, like, you know, the front door. And then you have a little table over there. So, I sent over to the table with uh, Jeff. And JT's teaming up with Buff Bagwell that night. And we had questioned the fact, you know, we thought Buff came to the show. He had a little cup with him. So, cup, he, he was sipping. He was sipping a little something. Um... So he's in the match with JT. JT's taking some heat. And and Buff goes to what normal tag team partners would do, get the crowd riled up to kind of get JT, you know, fired up and get the crowd riled up. You know? <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. So next thing you know, uh, you, you can see he looks confused and he goes to like, he throws his hand out and he goes to get the crowd going and he looks very confused and he, he calls the referee over. And he leans in and you could tell that he, he had obviously had asked the referee something. And two seconds later, he, he finally starts going, JT, JT. <laughs> so we're sitting at this table and we're dying laughing, dude. Because we realized that at that moment, Buff had no idea who the fuck he was teaming with. No, he had no idea he had who to ask the was. referee. And then once he got it, he was hyped up and ready to go, dude. And it was just so fucking funny because we knew he was sipping. We saw him with that cup. We knew his ass was sipping that whole show, dude. So, so that day, Buff Bagwell showed up late to the show. Yeah. And... You know, this is my first time meeting Buff, and you know, you, you see his persona on television, and he plays like this very arrogant, pretty boy. You know, Buff's a good-looking dude. He's got a fucking crazy-looking body, man. Yep. Dude, dude looks great. You know, he, he does the whole male escort stuff. You know, whatever. Which is funny because he actually is a male escort now in Absolutely. real life. Yes. So yeah, that that's actually hey, living the gimmick, man. So like, I personally thought I was like, man. The dude's got to be kind of a douchebag. You know what I'm saying? Right. But let me tell you what. When, when, he, when he finally showed up and I got to meet him, one of the nicest guys in the world, man. Very yeah. unexpected to me. He was so polite. Yeah, came straight up friendly. to us. Guys, what do you want to do? You know, very cool guy, man. I really appreciate that from uh, Buff Bagwell. Didn't expect it whatsoever. No. I mean, he was. He was friendly. You know, and you hear things about a lot of people, man. And, and, and you know what? Everybody has their own um, personal opinions on people. Uh, a lot of stuff people will be like, oh man, I heard this dude was a dick. So then you're kind of hesitant on meeting that person. But everyone's interaction with someone is always different. Yeah, you know? and, that's and very sometimes true. it could be you that was the dick. And, and you know, that's just how it is sometimes. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, very true, very um, true. 
real quick before we got to cut this one off because we just arrived to the show that we're supposed to be at. Um, you remember the old days at the Shamrock? Oh, yeah. So, REPW originated from the Shamrock Nightclub in Barberton, Ohio. And <laughs> the owner of that club, we used, to, we used to call him Daddy Ricky. And he got that name because da- Daddy Ricky would go from uh, his bar to the terrible strip club next door. Oh, man. And we just knew he was in there making it rain. Because <laughs> he loved those girls, man. And, and Ricky was a very just weird-looking fella. So, I had a theory. Because you had the Shamrock Nightclub. And not attached to it, but right next door to it was a motel where his mom ran the office. Okay. So one night Ricky came back in the back to where we were like, you know, had our little locker room set up back there and he went in this door and we never saw him again. Like he went in this door and I swear to you, he never came back through there. Okay. Five minutes later, he was at the front of the bar and I'm thinking, how in the fuck did that happen? Like. Maybe he pulled that jugs magic that Houdini shit, man, that Houdini shit. And no, but I had a theory. Here's what it is. It was like psycho. See, he went in that door. He had a little tunnel. He came up in the office of the motel, put on a wig to be his mom oh and God. answered the phone. Right. And then came back into the bar and did his job as Ricky. See, I, I know what's going on. Oh, I knew man. what was going on. Dude. This is a whole horror story. Right he here. had a basement that we knew there had to be some type of dead bodies down there because he wouldn't let nobody down there. Nope. Nobody None of us wanted there. to go down there. I wonder why now. And that's why. Dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> it, it, like the scene in uh, uh, Poltergeist when all, they were in the back and, and the water was all and all the skeletons were like popping up. Like the from the yes, swimming pool? exactly. No, that's exactly you, what sir. I thought about, man. So there was one night we went to go set up the ring on a Monday. Me, uh, Flea, I think there was a couple other guys with us that night. I think Spike actually might have been there. And uh, we watched Alan, who was Flea, uh, answer his phone because his girlfriend had called at the time. And he walked to the front of the bar. And he went to walk out the door. And he couldn't open the door. And we were like, oh, my God, did Ricky just lock us in here? Like, what the fuck, dude, right? <laughs> you guys are going to be the next victim. Exactly. So we're over here, like, man, I'm, we're tweeting out the address where we're at and shit. We're sending shit on Facebook. Like, we're sending smoke signals and shit. Like, we're like, like if we die in this motherfucker, we want everybody to know <laughs> where we were and what happened because we were going to be Tuesday night's wing special. And I didn't want to do that, man. I, I thoroughly believe that Ricky was killing folks kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre-ish, a little <laughs> bit of Psycho. And they were they were definitely the food. I I have I, I'm telling you that place has since been been con, uh, I don't want to say condemned, but it, it did have a flooding issue, which caused us to move from Barberton to Youngstown. Um, but uh, it's been torn down, you know, since then. Like the bar is gone, uh, the motel is gone. It's kind of weird, man. You see that lot. And it's or just was it a cover up? It could have been, man. Did he flood that area so that he nobody would did. ever know? Yes. What went on? I guarantee in that you, murder basement that he had. I guarantee you, when that basement flooded. There was bodies floating. He wasn't making wings in there. Nope. He was making people (laughs) die down there. He had his own little version of Hostel down there and shit, man. Um, God damn it, Ricky. We know your secret, motherfucker. Dude, I've known it for a long time. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, I know that's what's going on down there, definitely. Uh, Before we go, you got got one more? Um, Honestly, like, not really one more. I honestly, just before we do want to go, I know we mentioned Prince Juggalo and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> a funny thing that kind of not, no, not not so much as funny more of a scarier moment I did remember him doing well attempting a moonsault oh, yeah. and it ended up becoming 
into a somersault kick to your head and yeah. giving you this major, major concussion. Dude, I instantly, uh, you know who Gorbachev is, though. I think he was a, the Russian president <laughs> or something. I instantly had a Gorbachev birthmark on the side of my head as soon as he landed that moonsault attempt. And we told him not to. We said, dude, the ceiling is low. Don't try it. He goes up. He does Sometimes it Sometimes anyway. you just wish people would listen to you, right? Man, I'm Instead telling of you. kicking you in the head. Yes. That was one of the craziest things. I remember you and uh, you and Ron jumped in the ring immediately and asked me if yeah. I was okay. And I, dude, I really, I wasn't. Because like, you, you had that look in your face like there was eight Prince of Juggalos in the ring now yeah. after that. It was bad. But uh, I, I did want to say, uh, you know, Jugs, hey, we miss you, man. You were always a good dude to me. And yeah. I do want to say, like, you know, way back in the day, I was early in my career, and I'll never forget, one of the, um, we were working somebody, and somebody said to me, you know, hey, how's your kicks? And I remember uh, Prince Juggalo standing up and say, dude, he's got some of the best kicks in the business. And that that never left me, man. You, you made me feel good about myself for that part in time. You know, anybody earlier in their career, they kind of need that little push to know that they're yep. doing a good job. So That's I've true. always... You know, wanted to say thank you for that. Now, you know, I've said it before in the past, but you know, if you're out there, man, if you're listening, thanks for thanks for giving me that vote of confidence, man. It, it went a long way with me. Yeah, you know, guys like that you miss. You Absolutely. Know, yep. Some of the guys that you met early on in your career and stuff, you know, I miss seeing a lot of those guys, man. And, and it's funny because we've seen a lot of guys come and go, mm-hmm. even in the time that we've been around. Yeah. And guys that maybe have only worked for two, three, up to five years, and they and they retire already. Right. They're gone. You know, you don't see those people anymore. Uh, one of the people that I always miss seeing it, it shows is uh, Sheiky. Yeah, oh, I love, I love Sheik. Sheik, man. I, love I, Sheik. I miss seeing him because he's just uh, not not only is he, he funny in the ring, but he's funny as shit in the back. And that's one of the dudes you miss having like in locker rooms and stuff, and just having conversations with. And uh, you know, I met him uh, my first time going to uh, OCW in uh, 1999, and he was one of the coolest dudes. Always stayed one of the funny coolest as dudes. hell, man. Man, funny as hell. His gimmick though is just to me, it's so funny because you know Sheik is Puerto Rican. Yes, uh, but he plays the hell out of a an Arabic cheek. Yes, absolutely. And he he knocks it out, man. The accent, like, the whole accent, yes, the whole yes. the whole nine, man. He does the flag, it. the gear, everything, man. baby. Yes, but yeah, man. Uh, you know, like I said, we're at a show, so we're gonna go in yeah. and do our thing. Um, Wrestling's a funny business, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just basically said thank you to somebody who enjoyed getting kicked by me. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's funny that you said that because it's one of those things where if you have a weird fetish, I'll bet you a lot of them dudes in the wrestling business got some weird ass fetishes too. Oh, yeah. And they're being fulfilled by, hey, could you, you, can you imagine that he goes home and, baby, can you kick me in the face real right? quick? Right? <laughs> hey, just, you know hey, what? Hey, you, put uh, down those pancakes and just kick me right in the face real quick. Listen, I'm going to sit here on the floor. Do me a favor and give me one of them kicks like Kurt Fury does. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Kick what the fuck? Really in my head. I just, could you just kick me like that? If, if you got a weird fetish and you're in the wrestling business, I'm sure you're a knocking bucket list off like a motherfucker. Um, but with that said, we're going to head into the show, do our thing. We're going to go defend our tag titles. Absolutely. Um, we're gonna we're gonna leave with them. Obviously, that's what we do. And we're gonna we're gonna go in, kick some ass, come back, and we're probably gonna knock out another podcast. So, how's that Queen song go? We are the champions of the world. See, now I'm glad you say that because if I did, they would have stopped listening. Yeah. Well, uh, you just, know, I'm glad you guys are still here for that. <laughs> me too. Me too. All right. So we will see you on the next one. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>